to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about living at peace with your wayward parents. I'm very thankful today to have in the studio my friend, Dr. Jim Neuheiser. Uh, Jim is professor of Christian counseling and pastoral theology at the Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he is also an ACBC certified counselor and fellow and the executive director of the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship and a whole bunch of other things, Jim. So thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Keith. And I just appreciate over the years uh, Jim's friendship and uh, his uh, encouragement of me personally and our church here, and so it's a joy to have a conversation with him today. And uh, we were talking recently, and he mentioned this subject of adult children living at peace with their wayward parents. So maybe give us a little background on yeah. why this why this subject. Yeah, I tend to want to write about subjects that I encounter in counseling and can't find a resource to give to people, and so a previous thing I did on parenting was uh, dealing with you never stop being a parent and dealing biblically with relationships between parents and their adult kids, dealing with adult kids who don't really grow up or marry against your wishes and get into trouble. And the Bible has so much to say that applies to that. But then there's another direction the relationship goes, and that is sometimes adult children have parents who aren't acting wisely or walking with the Lord, and these adult children need counsel. And what's actually happened in my own life is that in the last seven years, I've been teaching at a seminary, which is full of 20-somethings who are walking with the Lord, who often have very challenging relationships with their parents who are my age. There are also people my age around who are having challenges with their parents who are in their 80s and 90s, another set of challenges. When do you take the car keys away? And I'm in a church that has a lot of young families. The typical family in our church is uh, second generation Christian, but parents are very different in their beliefs. They, you know, wife at home, four kids, more coming, hardworking dad, very responsible, but sometimes they're dealing with irresponsible parents who create burdens for them. And so, the Bible has wisdom to help them deal with these difficult situations as they come up. Mm-hmm. That's that's really helpful. And I think over the years, you've been very faithful to produce resources that didn't exist, right, and needed to exist and based on counseling needs. So maybe we can start just by asking the question, what are some of the responsibilities that Scripture would teach that adult children have toward their parents? Yeah, and so I think first what they're not responsible for, which is, I think when we become adults, like John 9 describes, we become of age. And so there's no longer submission, but we're still to honor our parents. And so actually Jesus taught in the Gospels that the responsibility, uh, the fifth commandment applies to the responsibility of adult children to make sure the material needs of their parents are met. And he condemns uh, the false teachers among the Jews who would tithe, but then they wouldn't help their parents and honor their parents. And so there are real responsibilities, but it's more in the realm of showing honor, but not submission. I think in our culture, that primarily applies to relational care. 
that there are situations, also First Timothy says, if you have a widowed mother or grandmother, we have responsibility to make sure their needs are met. Many of us have parents who are financially okay, but they're lonely. Uh, they have other struggles in life where they need support. So I think we do have responsibilities to, to honor them, to seek their advice, to make sure their financial needs that are reasonable are met, to have their relational needs cared for. I know that uh, when our kids were growing up, we honored our parents by traveling halfway across the country at least once a year to let them see their grandkids, and if they wanted, they could see us too. And uh, now, as our mothers are older, we are trying to spend as much time as we can with widowed mothers. And so there are many things that I think the Bible speaks to, but there are also limits to that, which is part of what the book is about. Well, that's very helpful just to start with honoring, make that distinction between honoring versus obeying, and that's a transition that happens as children move into adulthood. So so thinking about some of the challenges, you mentioned your church culture today with a lot of you know younger families. What are some of the challenges that adult children are facing uh, in regard to their dealing with their parents? Yes, I mean, I can give you several real cases that I've faced in counseling and we don't have time to flesh all of them out, but there are just so many. Uh, a very common problem is that you have grandparents and you let the grandparents watch the kids or you let you know, the kids go to the grandparents' house. And I know grandparents are supposed to spoil their grandchildren, but sometimes they go beyond the pale. Okay, well, my nine-year-old just watched an R-rated movie or my 10-year-old is eating unhealthy food that could make him sick, and or even other bad influences in terms of the sin influences of the grandparents around. And so I've talked to dads and said, oh, look, I've tried to talk to my mother-in-law about this, and they just won't do what we ask them to do. So, I mean, that, that's one example. It can be when you're my age, and I'm not talking about my mother, she's listening, but they get to the point where it's dangerous for them to drive, or they're not really able to live alone, and so you're you're trying to intervene there. Uh, I know of situations where your father leaves your mother to go live with a man. And how do you handle now comforting your mother? What relationship do you have with your father? Uh, I had a case where you had elderly parents who were hoarding, and the house was just overwhelmingly, I've had a couple of those, just overwhelmingly disgusting, and cats on top of that running all over the place. And the children actually could have potentially been accused of elder abuse because they weren't acting to stop it, even though they weren't living there. So, again, I, I guess I'll give you one more. Would just be there could be the 25-year-old young woman who has graduated college, has a good job, living on her own, and yet her parents are still treating her like she's 15 and micromanaging her life. And so you know, many more examples, but... Yeah. Not always with malice, but there can be some real relational tensions there. Yeah, yeah. So take us to Scripture now. How does the Bible help us? Uh, how does it help equip some of these adult children to address some of these challenges with their parents? Yeah, well, let me give you one more that's maybe more common than any of the others, and that is a case we've seen a few times where a man and a woman, a married couple, and his mother mistreats the wife and is very critical of the wife and 
uh, maybe even a bit unkind to the wife. And that's the way the mother is. And this husband has always been kind of passive. He just took it and kept his mouth shut. The wife may be more like mom. She's not going to put up with this. There, there's conflict there. And you know, so Genesis 2.24, you leave father and mother and you're joined to your wife. And that means that your marriage has priority over your relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. And it may be that you're going to have to have some conflict with your mother to stand up for your wife and to tell your mother the relationship will be damaged or you can't hang around with them as much if this doesn't change. So that would be one specific scriptural example. The the material I find I would use most commonly is the peacemaker material, where what do you do? Well, you get the log out of your eye. In Matthew 7, you gently confront Galatians 6. Um, you potentially need to get others to help you if they're in church together or something. So I think that's kind of a broad, broad brush aspect that we use from time to time Mm -hmm. and we know that a lot of times those adult children are dealing with hurtful things that their parents do and and i think applying those peacemaking principles are helpful there in terms of trying to reconcile and seeking forgiveness and right addressing those and you've actually brought to my mind another category and that is cases where there have been there have been really harmful and wrong things done by the parents Mm -hmm. And, you know, a case where the brother was molesting his sister, who's now a married woman, and the parents kind of knew about it and didn't take it seriously, didn't believe her, didn't protect her, and now she's grown. And what relationship does she have with them when they've wronged her very seriously? And some of that is going to be choices she makes along with her husband. And I could see cases where if there have been horribly abusive parents, especially sexually allowing, you know, either being the abusers, where there could be a necessity of confrontation and probably distance in the relationship that would be less than ideal in an unfallen world. And so there are all kinds of complicated situations. Mm-hmm. One of the things that adult children are facing with their parents are potential financial challenges that their parents are facing. Yeah. How would you counsel uh, adult children as their parents are facing financial issues? Yeah, I think you bring up a really important uh, aspect of this, that we're responsible to care for the true needs of our parents, that if your mother's widowed and she has no money, she may come live with you. You may supply money. First Timothy 5 and the teaching of Jesus and the Gospels makes that clear. But I'll give you a specific example where we had a case where a man in our church who was a second-generation immigrant from a country in Asia married a lady from back in his home country, brought her to the U.S., and suddenly his in-laws showed up in his apartment, and they were in their mid-50s. They both had been employed, and they quit their jobs and moved in, just expecting to kind of help raise the grandchildren and to live in retirement now in America in his little condo with two bedrooms in it. Uh, this was not something he anticipated when they were married, and I'm not even sure she had figured that out. But as we worked with them, just honoring parents and meeting their financial need means if they are you know, destitute, and there, there wasn't Social Security retirements, IRAs, and all that in biblical times. But you have widows and, and needy people, not just to say, we're tired of working, we're 53 years old, and so we're going to come live with you. 
Another really difficult situation that comes up pretty often is you have parents who have been just horribly irresponsible financially. And I've even had you know a single woman who is working hard. She's a nurse. She's making good money. And she has a father who's a drunkard and lazy, and he's always trying to get money out of her. Or parents who have, you know, wasted money with frivolous things that they, vacations they couldn't afford and debt. And, and then they come to their kids who are working hard and responsible. Here's this poor young man and he's got a wife and three kids and he's trying to save for college and retirement and other things. And he's got his parents, you know, pressuring him that if you were a good father, if you were a good son, you would take care of us and having to, recognize that, of course, first he must please God, but next his responsibility is to his family. And we're not required to enable the sinful irresponsibility of others. Right. Yeah, wow, that's that's quite a scenario. So, yeah, um, I was thinking another scenario, too, that's probably fairly common. We see it, you know, with couples in our church, families in our church, is, you know, a lot of times younger families have preferences. They have preferences on diet, they have preferences on, you know, entertainment and, and, and avoiding kind of the extremes of clear <clears throat> sin. How do you help a young family that may have strong preferences um, and they're looking at what their parents do when they drop their kids off kind of thing, you know, distinguishing between like clear moral challenges versus preferences, you know, keeping the peace in the relationship versus giving grace. Talk to us about That's that. That's a great question, Keith. And, you know, scenarios are coming to my mind. I think there are actually, I was a cage stage, young parent, husband, had it all together and very inflexible in my own day as a young man. So now I'm around guys like that. And I think kind of a broad overview of how you handle these differences is, you know, Love overlooks a multitude of sins. It's a glory to overlook a matter, it says in the proverb. And so I think there are going to be some things, just like even like the mother-in-law who's a pain, that we all need to be prepared to overlook some minor things with our parents. And there's going to be some offenses where we need to just show grace and not address them. There are issues that if your kid has an extra cookie or they stay up 30 minutes later or... You know, some certain things that are relatively minor where you may have preferences and you may just make the decision not to go to war with your parents or your in-laws over matters that don't matter that much in the big scheme of things. And now that I'm a grandparent, grandparents do like to spoil their grandkids. But I also believe very firmly we grandparents need to respect the parents even if we don't agree with them. And then there's kind of an increased level after that where... You may say, no, this is, I mean, so some of us are too inflexible when we're young and we don't give a little bit. And maybe there are some things that should be overlooked rather than taking offense at everything. But then there are also going to be situations where, look, this is serious enough where we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it even becomes seriousness as you're ramping up where you say, like, if you speak to my wife that way, we're going to have to get up and leave. Or, and I, I had friends where the father was very angry and got angry in front of these, these small children and they got up and went and said, look, you're going to have to promise not to behave in this way if we're going to spend time together. So I think there can be cases where you, you want to avoid this. You want to be at peace as far as it's possible with you. But 
there can be really serious matters, or especially you have, you know, a parent who has mistreated children or something, you stay away, or you, you, you can't trust them enough to let them be alone with your kids. So I think there's kind of a sliding scale of overlooking of minor things, but then there are more serious things where it would be wrong. It'd be the other way around that if you, because of parental pressure, let them take care of your kids when your kids would be unsafe, like you've not been able to get the keys from granddad who's been running into things lately, mm-hmm. you have the right to say, you can't put our kids in your car. Right. And that would be hard to say, but if for the sake of the safety of your kids, that's yeah. what you need to do, then yeah. you probably need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one last question. Um, you know, you can see a younger family committed to Christ, lo- loves the church, loves the gospel, and they're trying to relate to parents that are unbelievers. And there's this tension in their heart because, on the one hand, they want to be a witness for the gospel, they want to be an influence for Christ, uh, and that involves being around them, including their children. And yet you got this other part of it that says we're also called to shepherd our children and to protect them from ungodly influences, even if they're in the extended family. So how would you counsel a young couple that's trying to be a gospel influence for their unbelieving parents while balancing that with that appropriate shepherding protection that that might right. might need to be given? I understand. You know, one passage that came to mind right away is in 1 Corinthians 7, where it says, if you're married to an unbeliever, in some sense, your children will be holy. And so if you had a believing woman married to an unbelieving man, she had to trust God for her kids rather than divorcing the bum. And and so I think in the same way, if part of your family dynamic is the typical ways of unbelieving parents, you have to trust God that as you... Seek to balance the concerns of protecting your kids with honoring your parents and even letting your children have a relationship. Uh, you know, there's different levels of common grace in different unbelieving grandparents. And so I think that's kind of like the sliding scale I gave earlier that just keeping them away from them because they're unbelievers, I think would be completely wrong. Your children can be around lots of unbelievers. They probably need to figure out what unbelievers are like. But if in their unbelief, they're doing things that are harmful or very wicked, I think you're going to have limitations on the relationship, which are also on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. But another place where when you talked about that occurred to me, the tension often comes up is you mentioned like we're committed to the Lord and the church. A lot of families just seem to schedule all their activities on Sunday morning or early, late Sunday morning, early afternoon. And sometimes you get a lot of pressure because you're making a priority of worshiping the Lord. And the family will say you're a bad family member if you don't drop involvement in church to accommodate yourself to our occasions. And again, that doesn't, you know, my view of worship is a priority on the Lord's day. And yet there can be extraordinary circumstances where something may happen. But there are some families, it's like every week there's another birthday or anniversary and they want you to skip church to be there. And you may have to say, you know, we'll come after church. And I think that's also a testimony to your kids that you're not being controlled by that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's important that our kids, and this is going to be age-specific, but it's important that our kids see that mom and dad are prioritizing sharing Christ with their family, even if it is their parents, because mm-hmm. uh, we want them to have that that growing evangelistic outlook as well and to be yes. able to see that. So very good. Amen. Well, Jim, thanks so much for the conversation. This has been really helpful. And uh, for those of you that would like to continue to benefit from Jim's ministry, uh, you can visit ibcd.org or jimneuheiser.com. 
where he, uh, both of those uh, websites will have multiple resources available that will be a blessing to you. So Jim, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I would love to do it again. For more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, uh, you can visit us at our website at thecbcd.org. 